0: They're back on the Football Outside the Box podcast where we discuss the past, the present, and the future of football. Theo, you're waking up early this weekend. But good news, it's against Chelsea. So pretty much you're looking at a win here. At least you should hope so. But the real question is, because as we know, Liverpool are also kind of in their own slump.
1: Who's going to be the slumpier of the two? That's a great question. And not so many good news surrounding Liverpool at the moment, my friend. Well, uh, looking as, uh, Liverpool is making me shit my pants at the moment, to be honest with you guys. It's tough because the current scenario is that Liverpool are trying not to lose the first three matches in a row in a new year. And the last time that happened was in 1953, so 70 years ago. That's how bad the situation is right now. And it's true that we just beat Wolves a few days ago, but Liverpool didn't play at all on the second half. It was painful to watch. And the same happened against Brighton. I didn't even know Liverpool was playing, man. It seemed like they weren't, you know? Brighton controlled possession with 62%. They had 16 shots and nine of those on target. That's a lot of shots on target to concede, you know? Liverpool only had six shots in the the entire match and only two of those on target. For a team trying to win, that is appalling. That is awful. Defense looking shaky. Matip giving away the first goal. On on the third goal, Robertson and Konate looking lost, allowing a goal from a throw-in, a freaking throw-in. That's pathetic, you know? I guess the good news is seeing that Chelsea only has two wins out of the last 10. But again, Liverpool only has five out of the last 10 as well and it feels like we have less than five to be honest with you just because the way that we've been playing so i guess the bright side is looking at chelsea's injury list and also knowing that joan felix is not going to be playing that guy was actually very good against fulham so knowing that he won't play actually brings me some hopes and i'm hoping that salah and Gapko are gonna bring us a, a spark you know Also, another good news uh, is that Liverpool just opened talks with Mateus Nunes. So, I am excited for that. I mean, Bellingham is already... Bellingham should be on the way too. I mean, Bellingham can fix all the problems that we have by himself. But maybe a guy like Mateus Nunes can actually make the mid very solid. Him and Bellingham. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm getting my hopes up here.
2: I, I, I don't see how... He signs for Liverpool. He, he was only just signed for Wolves six months ago for, I think, Wolves' record at the time. It was like 40, 50 mil.
1: Liverpool yeah. had open talks with him in the past. They decided not to follow up, but maybe now is the right time on sock, I do like the guy, and if Liverpool makes the move, I'm not sure how much they're asking for it.
2: Well, you're going to have to pay a lot because he's only just signed.
1: I'm thinking about 40, 50 mil, so that's a lot of money still.
2: That's that's what Wolf signed him for and they're not selling him for that price. Um, but I wanted to ask you, I mean, after all the rant, I think you know, we were we were looking for this last Sunday, but you weren't here. That's fine because we still got it. <laughs> I want to touch on Nunes. I think we talk about Nunes being what shaky, his touches are off, whatever, all good.
0: Terrible finish, huh?
2: You can add that to the list, but I think, I think you guys really missed him at, at Brighton. Not not because of his finishing, but, and this is no knock on Salah or or Gakpo. I mean Gakpo's that's his what first game in the Premier League, not the FA Cup. I think you guys are missing somebody who can lead the line. And Nunes, as terrible as he was at finishing, he was able to do that, right? And I, I think it's that's the role he's doing and. You can see how tough it is for for him to carry that by himself when it was back then carried by Firmino, Mane, Salah, all equally.
1: No, yeah, you do have a point here. You do have a point. I mean, Nunes is this reference for us as number nine, you know? If you're trying to pin a ball inside the box or if you're trying to pass it to someone who can hold onto the ball and actually wait for wingers to, to move, Nunes is your guy. You know, because Gapko, actually, he played as a nine, but it was more like a false nine. He was dropping way too much to the mid to receive the ball. So we didn't have this reference number nine as this target man, which is what Nunes brings, even though he lacks quality at the moment and confidence. Uh, You just raise a great point. I, I do feel like we missed him somehow. I'm not sure if he would, like, provoke an impact to a point where he would probably score a goal or assist. That's tough, you know, saying about Nunes right now. But you do have a point. I feel like he adds, even though he doesn't provoke any greater impact, he adds this reference to the team. So where do you
0: think are some key areas in this matchup on on both sides that you think are going to make or break this match, if you do think that there's any? like, Do you think there are any areas that Liverpool are going to try and target Chelsea or vice versa?
1: Well, me, Liverpool might try to play behind Hall's back, who is a little too raw as a defender. He had a great match against Crystal Palace. He was very aggressive, but still leaving a lot of gaps on his back. So uh, I'm not sure if you're trying to force it too much in the wingers, but if Salah is on an inspired day, why not? You know, Having an inexperienced guy like this trying to mark Salah or Gapko, I think we can try to take advantage of those weaker spots, let's say. A guy like uh, Badia Shil had a great match against Crystal Palace as well, but still, too so young. So maybe the most unexperienced players could be making mistakes. Gallagher, he started for Chelsea in the last match. So I would say we should try to force those players to make mistakes in key areas of the pitch. So then we can recoup the ball quick and try to get a goal. You know, even if it's a scrappy goal, I don't care. I see Liverpool winning here 1-0, not more than that.
0: Wanzog, do you agree? Do you see more of a pressing game from Liverpool forcing mistakes? Or do you see them dominating the game and taking this one to Chelsea while they're down, really?
2: Hey, I I don't know how this is gonna go, but I, I I've being that it's it's at home, I think you're right. So
0: we're going Liverpool 1 0.
2: I don't know about the score, but the result, probably, yeah.
0: Well, guys, gambling was officially, or I should say sports betting, was officially made legal in Ohio. So all you Ohio viewers, you heard the scoreline right here. Put your bets in one nil to Liverpool. I wouldn't count on it, though. But <laughs> but you heard the mandem, so we'll have to trust the mandem as we go on with this one. But, hey, there's more football to come on the weekend. So let's get into those ones. Man City with an inspiring comeback against Tottenham. Boy, that was the one match I actually was hoping Tottenham could get a result. Not necessarily a win, but something. Going 2-0 up and then falling short. 3-2 down against... I mean, we've seen City combat many times. They are... Comeback kings, if you will. But Tottenham, you have to be better than that. You have to be stronger than that. In a moment where you can help your North London neighbors in a title battle this season. But no, once again, Spurs with the Spursiness as they typically do. Am I being too critical on Spurs, or do we need to give City the credit that they deserve?
2: I think this was Tottenham's plan all along. Give give Arsenal hope, get, the, get them to cheer up, and then boom. Before the game, I had a feeling Tottenham might win. And again, you say, it, whenever I pick Tottenham to win, they, they go and shit the bed, and they did again. And halftime, I was thinking, damn, I should have really let these guys know that, okay, Tottenham's going to win. But thank goodness I did. I mean, I'm saying this now, so it doesn't even matter. But, wow, I mean, second half, that's what City, that's, that's what makes them so scary, you know, when they, when they need to turn it up, like we saw against, it was Villa, right, last game of the season last year. And today, again, I think had they lost today, I mean, we'll get to the game after for Arsenal, but if Arsenal do win that game, I mean, that's 11 points. I know City have come back from a big gap but eleven is, is very big at this stage, and with the way the city form was heading towards since twenty twenty three. But yeah, I mean, second half they're just you know going more direct, get the ball out wide. Mars, great game, I, although I think it was Perisic more being a wacko in the defense. But still, I'll give credit to Mars. But yeah, just go back to what what they did best, you know, crowd the boxes. Get the ball out wide. you know. Out, uh, outnumber the opponents in, in those areas as well. City need to do this more often if they want to win the league.
0: Theo, are you seeing more of the same this weekend against Wolves
1: or they're not going to need this type of comeback <laughs> again? I'm <obviously> sure <laughs> that's what you're thinking. <laughs> nah, no, it's not going to be needed. Uh, just one fun fact before I talk about City because I was about to send you guys these stats before now you guys won't believe me, but anyways. So City uh, is coming, was coming from two straight defeats, which didn't happen since 2021, when they lost the Community Shield to Leicester and they lost the Premier League match to One Sox favorite club, Tottenham. You know? And after that, <laughs> <laughs> after that, they got six straight wins, scoring 24 goals in those six matches. So averaging an incredible four goals per match, I was about to tell you guys, City's going to score four goals today. I didn't let you guys know, but it did happen, you know? And I, I would watch out for you, Noah, because they looked incredible tonight against Tottenham in the second half. And they scored the four goals uh, that, that, that I kind of predicted, but didn't tell you guys. Anyways, you just got to watch So it doesn't count. So it doesn't count. <laughs> Nah, but I mean, well, I agree with you. I am
0: I mean, I'm watching out, bro. I mean, I'm, yeah. I've am told you guys, I'm scared. But, boy, if they, if this one ended up ha- happening again where City dropped points back-to-back, I would have been saying, yo, we're serious right now because that could have been 11 points and yeah. we've knocked out two of the big teams. But I'm hoping for a man like your potential future baller, Mateus
1: Nunes, do you think he can come up with something special to hot City for us? Maybe, maybe him and Podence linking up a few plays, you know. Maybe Diego Costa, Diego Costa decides to strike. Who knows? He hasn't scored since he came back for Wolves in the Premier League. But as for this game against uh, Wolves, uh, City needs to play closer to the opposition goal. And that didn't happen in the first halves against both United and Tottenham. City had more possession, of course, but they just couldn't penetrate the final third. They were only able to do so after Pep moved the midfielders up the pitch to control the gaps between the, the first and the second lines of the opposition. And that's what happened today with Gundogan. And that's what happened uh, against uh, United with the Bruna. However, if you want to give more freedom to midfielders, other players got to be on the same page. That's a no-brainer. As an example, Kyle Walker, he was simply staring at Garnacho on United's second goal, which left him all the space in the world. You know, And United scored after that. Other players like fullbacks and wingers, they gotta recompose quicker if you want to move up your midfielders. So I guess that's where a guy like Mateus Nunes and Podence could prove to be a, a key factor in the match. I'm not seeing Wolves winning the match or tying the match, maybe they're gonna get a, a goal. I'm seeing Wolves getting a goal here, but I would say City takes it three-one.
2: City has made, it, yeah, I mean oh, City have made it very hard for me to say. An easy win anymore but I mean Wolves at least defensively have improved massively under Lopetegui the the new manager their goal scoring form still needs to be found I know they signed Mateus Cunha Uh, he hasn't scored in the league yet you know it's gonna take time to gel
0: Sorry, hold on. Do these guys just love signing everybody named Mateos? I mean, yeah. shit, Theo. You might as well get signed as well, bro. <laughs> They're going
1: to sign me next, bro. <laughs> uh,
0: for those of you who aren't aware, Theo's actual full name is Mateos, So that's the joke.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think City will get the better of Brazil slash Portugal this weekend.
1: Uh, so adding to your point about Lopetegui, once uh Wolves were actually sitting on the bottom of the table after round week 15. So just a few weeks ago, now after the international break, they only lost to Man United, and they could have uh, got away. They could have gotten away with the draw at least if it weren't for De Gea, who had great saves in that match. They beat teams like Everton, they tied Villa, uh, they also beat someone else who, who I'm forgetting now. They, they should have beat
2: Liverpool. Should have beat Liverpool.
1: Yeah, they I'm put on a great match against the too. Yeah, I agree with you, sec. Like they played better in the first match against Liverpool. That's for sure. But again, they're picking up the good form again. They don't deserve to be the 16th uh, team right now. I think they're going to move up uh, considerably. Uh, they probably finish around... They're probably going to finish around the 10th, 12th position in the Premier League. But yeah, they shouldn't be where they're at right now.
2: Yeah, 100%. Their team is too good. So they'll be fine.
0: a team that really shouldn't be at where they're at right now. Man United, I mean, shit. <laughs> you guys came back out of nowhere. Holy shit. But speaking of that...
2: You mean, boy, you mean Arsenal, bro? They, I mean, I don't, I don't hey, see... No, nah, no,
0: nah, we're in right rightful place. One,
2: Arsenal, one like this. Like Let I said, it's, it's an elephant on a tree.
0: Bro, whatever it is you think, all <laughs> I'm saying is this arsenal manu battle is feeling like the good old days again. It has been years since we have witnessed a match between Arsenal and Man United, and it has actually going to play a role at the top of the table. Before this was... A few years ago, this was feeling like a Europa League battle. (laughs) (laughs) Mid-table battle. For real, though. No, really, yeah. Now it's feeling like a proper title battle. I mean... is this where the future of the Premier League is now heading back to an arsenal
1: man U title battle year in, year out? Just a quick point before you go on, sack. Actually, the Europa League battle now is Liverpool versus Chelsea. Yeah, how did it turn for real?
2: No, that, no, that's Conference League battle. Get, get it right. <laughs> Even worse. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I think the last time I remember this game actually you know, mattering perhaps 2010, 2011, you know, I think that's when Arsenal were top. And then we, we took you guys down with a win at Old Trafford. And then we went to your, your, your stadium and they lost in, in May. Um, That was, the league was already wrapped up at that point, but you know, me, I I usually don't like to complain. I, I think everybody gets on the wrong end of the stick at some point during the season. But I, I I just have to complain. I think I have grounds to complain because yes, you I, I take the response I'm I'm not I'm not playing for United, but I take all the talking points responsibility that oh he shouldn't have gone a yellow card or you should have scored twice and killed the game off, you know. But they should never put us in this place. I know our fixture list is a lot more congested than Arsenal are. And Arsenal have a lot more free midweeks because they don't have the, the Europa League games, plus they're out of the Carabao Cup. But come on. I mean, now, I mean, you go back to Saturday, right? We're on nine-game winning streak on a very on a very hard. Rashford is scoring what seven, eight games in a row. And now we're going into this game, a crucial game, mind you. I mean, the momentum's, momentum's all shot down. You know, it's just, I mean, it's just frustrating because we should never have been in this place. And I get it. We don't have any other midweek times to fit this Crystal Palace game. It's just frustrating because it looks like all the universe is heading towards a siding towards an Arsenal victory because (sighs) yeah, I mean, that's probably the only time I hope that I'm going to complain on the pod, but I think it's wow. it's right that I complain about this.
0: Well, I will tell you right now, I agree with you. I don't think that there should be a fixture uh, schedule that you guys have to play midweek and we don't.
2: Well, I mean, However, no, that, that's fine, but this game was scheduled, what, 10 days prior to, to the game actually being played? Like, it's not like the Premier League didn't know this was the only midweek game that we had. I, I, it's just, I mean, they even apologize for, I mean, not to the club, but to the fans who actually have to go to the games. I mean, that just tells you it should never have been played.
0: Well, bro, this this is what I'm saying, though, is this is not the first time we've seen this. This may be the first time that Man United are seeing this, because usually the corruption is in your favor. But now you're seeing how it feels. For the rest of the other clubs that have to deal with this kind of bullshit.
2: Well, I mean, scheduling a game 10 days prior to the game actually being played, I don't think I've ever heard of that from anybody. Long
0: may it continue for Man United. You guys can feel the wrath that we have all felt from the Premier League corruption. And now you can get a taste of your own medicine. But a little bit on the... Don't victimize yourself, Noah. Come on. No, I'm not victimizing myself. I'm, I'm making him realize that he's victimizing himself. But anyways, enough on that one. Let's get to the game itself. Man United, boy, oh boy, you guys are missing a crucial player in that midfield. Casemiro out suspended thanks to another yellow card. What is that? His fifth successive. Yellow card. He's gonna miss this match. And he's been arguably your most impactful midfielder. I mean, you could make an argument for Bruno Erickson, but Casemiro has made a huge difference. And without Casemiro, I feel like Odegaard is gonna have a show and the whole Arsenal midfield for that sake.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know what to say. To be honest, it's just, we're not going to go toe-to-toe, 100%. We didn't even do that at home. Uh, We're going to try to nullify you. We go back uh, nine months when we played you at at the Emirates in April. We didn't play bad. We created enough chances that we we hit the post, missed the penalty. And, I mean, what what did us at the end was just our, our defense just didn't hold up you know, Saka, the third goal killed the game, which was just outside the box. I mean, what can you do, right? But uh, Talese, I remember giving a, a penalty away for just shoving Saka in the back, in the box. I mean, that's just brainless move. And I know Arsenal, they've signed a lot of players. But if you look at that team, it's pretty much the same team, with the exception of Nuno Tavares I know that's a big change because going from Nuno Tavares <laughs> to Zinchenko is a you huge one he scored
0: the goal by the way
2: he scored <laughs> but then he conceded the penalty and then he was you know, getting bullied time after time on that on the left hand side so I- I'm not gonna say I'm confident because I think Arsenal are on average throughout the course of a season a better team they have been better than, than City and I personally don't know if you know we have the the personnel to deal with Arsenal right now. You know you you can you can take Odegaard out of the game, right? But the wingers, maybe not so Martinelli anymore after the World Cup, but at least Saka he's he's still performing and you you, you can't easily take them out of the game because they're they're more direct and they're going to you know try more one-v-ones against Shu than um than the City wingers. So it's, it's going to be a tough game. I'll, I'll, I'll happily take a draw, to be honest. And I didn't, I didn't feel like this before the Palace game, but now I'll, I'll, I'll take a draw.
1: Well, one thing concerns me about Arsenal, though, and I want to hear your thoughts about this, Noah, which is the depth of the squad, you know, how deep the squad actually is. If you look at the Gunners' bench, uh, you're going to see good replacements, like Fabio Vieira, like Rowe, and Tomiasso. Those are good re- uh, replacements, but not necessarily key players on a match. You know, uh, Vieira still to be proven. Smithrow coming from an injury. Tomyasu still, I mean, he plays well, but still needs to prove more. And I mean, uh, if a guy like Odegaard can play, you know, how can you match his skill set with a guy like Vieira? Maybe you can match it somehow, attacking-wise. But I mean... Odegaard is just this complete midfielder, you know? If a party is out, who are you going to bring in? You know, El Elneny. And then there are also other guys on the bench, like Lokonga, Marquinhos, Matthew Smith. I don't even know this guy. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) and I'll, I'll be super worried if you... I'll be super worried if guys like Holding, Tierney, or Turner are forced to start for Arsenal. And if you look at City's bench, their bench today... I mean, it's just incredible. Look at the players on the bench. Cancelo, De Bruyne, Ruben Diaz, Foden, Laporte, uh, Calvin Phillips, Bernardo Silva, and Kyle Walker. So, I mean, does it get much deeper than that? And, I mean, how worried are you, you know, about Arsenal's uh, depth in the squad?
0: Well, I mean, yeah, compared to City, there's no, there's no comparison. And I think that's every team in the league. But I think you're right. Our depth is particularly thin at the moment. And I think every Arsenal fan would agree with this one. Me personally, and I think a lot of fans would agree with me as well. We desperately need a backup for party in you know in a worst-case situation. We don't have anybody who can really fill that role. Midfield in general, but party especially, because of how crucial he is to the team. You mentioned El Neni as our first choice backup for him. I mean, you watch the Europa League games, you watch the FA Cup games, Carabao Cup games, you can see the difference. You can feel it. The, there's a whole difference in how we play, it is drastic. So, every Arsenal fan will agree with you and say that. So, I am very worried where that's concerned. I think we desperately need signings. However, good news from the camp is that Leandro Trossard from Brighton is looking to be on his way. If he has been agreed in the region of 27 mil, I think that would be a very, very helpful signing, especially going into the, you know, the final latter stages of the season. I think he could help to push us over the line. Very versatile, very hardworking, intense pressing, good after ball movement, good IQ, and his finishing, his end product in general, has improved significantly this year. So I don't think he's going to come in and start, but that type of depth is what we're looking for. Now we need one more depth in midfield, and I think we're good. I'm not worried about the depth in in defense. I was at first about keeper. You mentioned Matt Turner, who at first I was like, this guy cannot be our backup. That was my, my initial thought on him. Then the more matches he got in Europa League, then the more matches he got at the World Cup, the guy impressed me. He, I swear, he surprised the fuck out of me when I saw him play consistently. Look at his record right now. Look at his clean sheet record right now. You'll see he's actually very good. And he made, he made some top quality saves for USA in the World Cup if you watch him real properly. Who did he play against? Oxford United? Is that the name of the team? Nah, bro, come on. Look at the Europa League matches too, bro. It's decent, bro. He's, if you watch him, bro, I know he looks very like awkward and it's not really he he doesn't pass the eye test i guess because i had first thought the same thing but he's changed my opinion and i think people gotta look out for him for real i don't think he's gonna start but i think he's probably the ideal backup we could have at this given moment
1: oh let's hope he starts in the premier league i want to, i really want to see No, nah, nah, i'm premier good league. at ramsdale right. bro I know,
0: i'm very good at ramsdale <laughs> Man of the match last time out, so let's we can keep him in the goal. He's doing perfectly fine.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, I guess that's more pertinent to the whole season than this game. But I think if Arsenal somehow do end up missing out on a on the title and, and they that's because of an injury to somebody, I think it, it's gonna be a big opportunity miss because it's looking like a good opportunity right now. You know, City aren't the same. I mean, who knows how if they'll turn it up in the second half. But if you miss out on a title because you didn't sign a, a serviceable backup to, you know, Partey. I think Trossard, he's all right. He's going to come in. He's not being asked to start and carry the team, right? He'll, he'll do a job. That's fine. And that was much needed, right? You're going from Reese Nelson. I think he's still injured. Plus... You know who who who's never fit again. Smith Rowe to now. Charles who can play pretty much anywhere, but I think you I, I agree with you. You still need another midfielder, and if you, I, I would be worried if you don't sign it because I know you're going for Declan Rice all in in this summer. It looks like it.
0: We gotta go for him for winter. Fuck.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I mean that's what I'm saying. I mean Rice West Ham are are in the relegation zone. I mean he might get fired. Uh, Dave Moyes got might get fired if he doesn't beat Everton this this weekend. Why not just splash the cash? The timing is right now. You, you, you have to wait when when tide comes. You got to roll and go for it. And I would be very disappointed if he. I mean, I'm not I'm not gonna be disappointed. But if I were you, I'd be very disappointed if he didn't sign somebody at least serviceable in this window because this is looking like a prime window right now. And you can't. What's good? What's good with signing Rice after you? For example, having missed out on a title by a point or something.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're right. For the long term, definitely that's something that I would hope that the board is keeping in consideration. However, I'm trusting them at this given moment. But a little bit back to the game, Theo, quickly, I want to get your opinion for move on to the fulham Tottenham match. Are there any
1: particular areas that you're looking out for in the arsenal manual match? Well, I'll I'll mention soccer for sure, as you mentioned once, Sokka, Martinelli has not been the same since the World Cup, I mean he still adds a lot to the team, but not as much as Sokka, Sokka was just incredible against Tottenham, the whole uh, Arsenal side was incredible against Tottenham, the first half was a masterpiece, as you guys mentioned in in the previous episode, and I would just say it as it is, Arsenal will do enough to beat Man United, you know, they have been used to playing masterfully now, in every part of the pitch, and players like Varane, like Fred, they played an excellent match against City. But I feel like that's going to be the, the, the opportunity for Arsenal to grow in the match, you know, against those kind of guys. I don't feel like they're going to be able to, to keep up with Arsenal's uh, quick build-up plays, uh, Arsenal's intelligent movements. A guy like Fred, who I don't like him at all, he actually played a decent match versus City, marking uh, men, marking uh, De Bruyne in the first half. I just don't think that they will be able to cope with Arsenal's space as a whole. So, if I could point to one particular area, I would say Saka on the wing. There we go. That's what we like to hear. Arsenal,
2: Arsenal, Arsenal. First place. Yeah, I'll just. I mean, I'll just say a few things. Two, two things actually. I'll be, I'll be very concerned about our fullbacks. Our both of them tend to be losing focus when, when it comes to positioning. And I just feel that that could be an area for, you know, the wingers to attack. And when the ball gets played in, they often lose their markers. That's one area. Another thing, though, it's to, to remember Arsenal, are, are, they've only lost to United, you know, and you could arguably say we're set up probably the best team in the league to play against the likes of Arsenal. We can soak up pressure. We're defensively solid, but we can hit them deadly on a counterattack because none of their backline is blessed with with huge amount of pace. So, I, I don't know if that's going to play a bit of I guess like a downturn in, in, in um, Arsenal players' minds. I, I don't know because I, I, I don't know how their psychology is their mindset, but I think it could play a factor.
0: Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Really appreciate your support. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, Apple Music, Spotify. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure to download the episode and share it with a friend, one of your friends that like football, put it in our football group chat. And don't forget to turn on those notifications so you guys don't miss any episodes and you stay up to date.
2: And as well, the link to our Facebook page is in the description and the bio. So go get clicking, join our discussion, like our page, and share our page.
0: Let's get some good football discussion going, and let's get the chat on. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you for tuning in as always, and peace out.